Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Payoff pitch and Wallace drills this one to deep right field. That's way back. What a goal! Walk off home run. Skyler Wallace and Alabama advances to the semifinals as that one went off of the SEC now set in right center field. The payoff to the SEC player of the year. Got her looking on the outside corner, and the pitcher of the year goes nuts as Sarah Cornell strikes out Abby Cheek. Oh, boy, what a moment for the Hofstra transfer, and the side is retired. The 1-0 is drilled to deep center field. Way back, way gone. Get out the mustard and the right. Sides. This one is hit high and hard, out to center, drifting way back, and gone! KB Sides, are you kidding me? The swagger, Alabama with a huge, huge three-run shot. It's 5-1, to one. Crimson Tide, pandemonium at Rhodes. The party's getting started, Tom. 1-1, one, one. and that ball is driven to deep left field. That's way back, we're gone! Another three-run homer for the Crimson Tide here in the bottom of the first inning. It's 6-0 Alabama. What a moment for the senior Mary Schroeder, and what a first inning for Alabama as Kelly Barnhill in what will probably be her final game at Florida has been chased in the first inning. Payoff pitch to Hardy. That one is lined through to center field for a base hit. Go! Chloe comes home. The throw is time, And Alabama walks it off. So a single by Caroline Hardy. And we're playing again in 30 minutes. We're back. It's episode 18 of the Out of the Box podcast. Gray Robertson. Tom Canterbury here, not just your friendly neighborhood podcast and radio stars, but also as of this week and for one game, I believe last year, TV stars, Tom. I know. We were (laughs) multimedia. We were. Moguls. We had people watching us, listening to us, tweeting us. Were we trending? Unclear, but maybe. (laughs) I think so. I would like to believe that. In my own mind, I was. I yes. Know that. <laughs> we had many people tweeting the show at out of the box underscore pod, which all of you should follow. And of course, a big thank you to all those that did 
watch and listen to the Arizona games and uh, McNeese, McNeese yeah. as well, right. and the early UT Arlington game. We had a lot of really good feedback, which was a lot of fun. And I, I would like to pitch this idea early on in the show for those tuning in for the first couple minutes. Let's get just like they have for the college football playoff national championship a simulcast where they stream the game with our radio call at right. the women's college world series the hometown radio call exactly. definitely definitely needs to happen agreed right my favorite this is something that was we just celebrated second and 26th day uh my favorite is the video of you know the greatest play at alabama football history uh to it Devonte smith for the touchdown with the georgia radio call it is my favorite because they are sitting there they are laughing we just sacked the guy. They can't pronounce to his last name. The trophy is in their grasp, and they lost. Yes. And it is just glorious. I'm sure, oddly, it, that, that was what we sounded like against Arizona. <laughs> I 100%. In the second game. I 100%. That's what it was. <laughs> A swift kick to the gut. And if I was, <laughs> I was not broadcasting right now, I would say it was at a different spot. Yes. It was not our favorite. No. no. no but we have not. to talk about it, and we will. All right. As we go around the bases, we will start at the plate, talk about the Crimson Classic. There was some good. There was some bad. We'll discuss what Alabama can do going into conference play this weekend against Arkansas. Then we will advance to first. Is anyone safe, Tom? Nobody. Nobody's safe. Nobody is safe. Everyone is losing. Shocker. There were more upsets. <laughs> right. <laughs> We'll talk about those. Does anyone actually have a winning record right now? I'm not sure Maybe how. Maybe not. UCLA and that's it. <laughs> I don't know how this is happening. <laughs> then we'll talk about the week in the SEC as well in that segment. Then we will steal second with Smitty. Smitty's coming on. Michelle Smith is finally here. Yes. It only took a year and a half, even though this is the first time we've asked. But still, <laughs> she is here. She should have been asking us. She really should have. I, her people should have been calling us. It's fine. We've got a lot to talk about with her, though. Yeah, because she, lots of stuff uh, happening. She's seen a lot of a softball in person the last couple of weeks, so plenty to get from her. Then we will round third and get some February feels, Tom. Mm. We'll see how we feel about certain teams that are kind of eh right, right. now, floating around in the ether that is 2020 college softball. <laughs> a lot of, again, it's hard to get a good grasp on anyone because people are losing games they shouldn't be losing. Exactly. So and and not blowing out teams they should be blowing out. So it's it's very odd. It's weird. Then we will head home and Tom. It's our first edition of SEC picks. Oh yes, you won last year. Woo. I will admit I don't know the exact marking because I stopped counting. Stop counting. It was, it was such a blowout. It got so bad. Right. And then we've got off the wall. And again, oh. folks, thank you. It just uh, Alabama loses, and again, I just, don't. I don't want to have to do this segment. <laughs> we will have but to do it's this so segment popular. until it's so popular. Right. The podcast dies. Uh. Off the wall will be a part of it because someone will always say something stupid or give a raised eye emoji at a four nothing win. I don't know. I, Let's start at the plate, shall we? Yes. So a three and two record in the Crimson Classic. Two wins over UT Arlington. Uh, went over McNeese on Sunday. Two very close one run losses to Arizona. Mm-hmm. Let's start with the good. For the weekend, four batters over 400. KB Sides, Bailey Hemphill, Skylar Wallace, Matty Morgan, and really good outings in the circle from Crystal Goodman a couple times, Montana Fouts, and Sarah Cornell. Yeah, I want to send a special recognition to Matty Morgan. It seemed mm-hmm. like any time she came up with people on base, she came through with RBIs. And uh, it's very important as teams continue to walk Bailey Hemphill uh, for the people behind her to make them pay for it. And Maddie Morgan has been doing that 
as good as anybody uh, through the first couple of weeks that she's been playing here this this season. So uh, great job on her, and we'll like to see her continue that as we move into conference play. Yeah, six RBIs for Maddie and uh, 12 at-bats. Yeah. It's, it's pretty good. Decent. Decent job. <laughs> good job, Maddie. Yes. Uh, and then, uh, you know, great crowd all yes. weekend. Wonderful atmosphere. Even though it was kind of chilly. Good, good job to everybody. Right. And then you, you've got something that kind of will bridge us between the good and the bad, and that's Lexi Kilfoyle. Mm-hmm. Lexi Kilfoyle in the first six innings of both Arizona games, 12 innings pitched, obviously, math, eight hits, <laughs> four runs, three earned, seven walks, 11 strikeouts. It's outstanding. It's pretty solid. Right. So 175 ERA. Especially against an offense the uh, caliber of Arizona. Yes, that's really good. Right. Lexi Kilfoyle in the seventh innings. Two innings pitched, again, basic math, mm-hmm. five hits, four runs, all earned, Two walks, no strikeouts for an ERA of 14. Now, again, as I said at the end of the second Arizona game broadcast, I will not take any Lexi Kilfoyle slander, and this is not Lexi Kilfoyle slander, but she has been struggling a little bit to finish some of these games, and that is something that has to be addressed this week going into conference play because whatever's going on in the seventh inning for Kilfoyle cannot continue if Alabama wants to accomplish the goals they've set out. It wouldn't be that big of a deal had the first week not happened. Right. But the first week happened, so it kind of shows this is this is a trend. It is it is an issue that uh, will have to be addressed. With Lexa Kilfoyle, she pitched two games against Arizona when she wasn't expecting to. It was supposed to be Lexi in game one and then Montana game two. Montana down with the flu, so unable uh, to pitch in that second game. So they had to go back-to-back Lexi Kilfoyle. And really, when you look at it, Lexi Kilfoyle threw almost 250 pitches against an offense, the caliber of Arizona's, and threw three bad pitches. And unfortunately, one of them was a three-run homer in the seventh inning to lose the game for you. Yeah, You know, that's, you know, it's kind of like golf. You can play 16 great holes, but if you have two really bad ones that you put in the water, it ruins the entire. You're right. You're the missing the day. cut. I mean, right. if you, yeah. if you hit it in the water three times at TBC Sawgrass, right. Sorry, you're not winning the players. That's, yeah. That's the way it goes. It's kind of, it's just how unfair sometimes the sport can be, but you know, it's the way it goes. And, but that will need to be addressed. Alabama's win, you know, the biggest win of the year being the, uh, the run rule over Washington, but again, a run rule. When Alabama's had to play that seventh inning, it hasn't worked out well. Yeah, and Lexi Kilfoyle this year is four and four. Four wins are in games played in five or six innings. The four losses are when we got to a seventh. And I've got the season stats, and I'm going to read them. And it's not pretty. I wish it was prettier. Lexi Kilfoyle in innings one through six. 44 and two-thirds innings pitched. 29 hits. 13 runs. Seven earned. 21 walks, 46 strikeouts for a 1.11 ERA. That is Lexi Kilfoyle. Yeah. That's the real Lexi. That's that's like freshman All-American Lexi Absolutely. Kilfoyle. Yeah. Seventh inning this year, four innings, 11 hits, 11 runs, all earned, five walks, three strikeouts for a 19.25 ERA. Now, what could that be attributed to? I'm not sure. I was texting with some folks earlier today, sent them the stat. Some people that pitched and know the game and said, what what <laughs> not, could... Not just random people. Yeah, yeah. Right, I'm not, yeah, you sure. know, not texting... <laughs> the people on Facebook, but you know, what, what could this be attributed to? And one person said, one, she has to remember that everything she threw in the first six six innings still works Mm -hmm. and will still work in the seventh. Right. And also she has to remember how to do everything. You can't get frozen up. You can't get tight in the seventh inning just because you're trying to finish a game and all valid points. I mean, again, Lexi Kilfoyle is the pitcher that we're seeing first through sixth inning. 
the seventh inning has been unfortunately a bit of a struggle, but I do not expect that to continue. No, like, you know, theoretically the three outs in the third or fourth inning are the same three outs in the seventh inning. Right. You know, it's, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be any diff- more difficult, but this is now probably when you get to that seventh inning, it is now probably the third, if not the fourth time that the team that the, that the batters have seen her. So they may be making adjustments. You know, again, Alabama is not playing, you know, slouches. Alabama is playing some really good teams that are able to make those adjustments. And if you just make that one mistake and it becomes even more amplified when it happens in the seventh inning, Mm -hmm. especially when you have a lead. Yeah. Against these great teams and with so much exposure we've seen already. Sure. You know, these these highlights are being shown because most of these games are visible, even though they might not exactly be on your TV, folks. If you have a phone. You can watch these games <laughs> when they're at Rhodes. On the laptop, on the smart TV. Roku. They're, they're you have that? I don't have that. I, I don't have one. I have, I have the Fire Stick. Ah, there you go. Yeah, you can that get with Fire Sticks. You know, all these things. Yes. Fantastic. They're available. The other bad from this weekend, Montana was out with the flu. Again, yeah. not in the doghouse. She's not in trouble. She's not hurt. She was just ill. Right. And I think smartly of a team took precautionary measures and said, well, you know what? It's not worth it right now. Let's not get everybody else sick. Yeah. Quar- Let's not have Montana try and push herself. Right. Yes. Quarantine Montana. And she tweeted at us, actually, one of the things that she tweeted and said that she was feeling, feeling better already. And then, you know, I, I would expect to see her this weekend against Arkansas. Yeah, for sure. She should be back. Yeah. And hopefully back to 100%. And I think I was talking with one of the coaches and, you know, she said, I, I really think that sitting up where she was sitting. She was in venue on Sunday. She was not there on Saturday at all, right. but I assume she watched and watching at home, watching from the stands on Sunday. We both believe that this is going to light a fire under Montana. And she's going to watch what happened and say, you know what? I'm, I'm sick and tired of this. I'm about yeah. to come out and go scorched earth on these people. That'd be great. And pitch like the all American. We know she is for the rest of the year. And in some way, I would like to see that from the entire team. Yeah, I agree. Hey, you know, at, at some point, you got to get a fire lit under you. Mm-hmm. You got to be sick and tired of the way things are going. Again, it is not a disaster right now. No. Things are not in ruins. You know, Alabama is still going to be, you know. In Wait, the, you're telling me Rhodes is still right, standing Rhodes right now? is still standing. Okay. The team is still good. Uh, they're going to be at worst 15th. You know, they're going to still be in the top 15, I think, in all every poll. Right. They're in top five in the D1 soft, or top 10 in the T1 softball that just got released today. The other ones get released tomorrow as we're recording on Monday. But Alabama has had some tough losses, and they've had a lot of tough losses against ranked teams. And at some point, it's, it becomes mental. It's, it's an issue that has to be, you know, everyone has to deal with it in their own way. And maybe getting into conference play, it's a chance for everyone to reset. You know, hit the reset button. Let's start off again from scratch. And everything that Alabama wants to achieve is still out in front of them. Alabama has not lost anything. Right. The ring is still just as you know attainable as it was when we started things off, especially in the conference, because they haven't played anything yet. So getting there, hopefully, is a chance for everything to get restarted. Yeah, it's second season, right? Yeah. And that's what Patrick Murphy always says. 100%. Got to reset, and we heard that there were some players on Sunday who said, hey, let's reset. Okay, let's, let's move past what has happened. And, you know, again, kind of going back real quick to this weekend, uh, one other thing that really stuck out to me, well, two things. One, Abby Dore really struggled at the plate, 0 for 12 on the mm. weekend with five yep. strikeouts. And, you know, I don't blame her for that. Again, she's still learning how to do with how to deal with all this. But at some point, she's got to realize that she deserves to be here. And, and I wonder 
how much nerves play a factor in her performance at the plate. And frankly, a couple of the drop balls we see when she's behind the plate against the good teams, right? We saw it against UCLA. We saw more drop balls against Arizona than we saw the rest of the weekend. Abby, you're on Alabama for a reason. Right. If you're listening, you deserve to be here. Play like it. Right. You know, and don't don't worry about what people think because who cares? Right. Who cares? That there's there's a reason why there was so much, you know, fight to get her eligible this year. There's a reason why everybody really wanted her on this team. And, you know, the fact that she was able to, again, without much practice at all, being on the team for three days, got the start in her first game eligible and hit a home run in that game. Right. She has all the capability in the world. And it's just, I, I think that she's probably just pressing too much. Yeah. You know, thinking too much. You know, at this point, just get out there and, you know, play the game you've always played. It, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come. It's going to be fine. It will. The other one that's a little more concerning, for whatever reason, Kaylee Tao's in a bit of a slump right now. 275 on the season, 4 for 14 over the weekend with six strikeouts. She has 15 Ks on the year compared to just five walks, which is odd. Yeah, her. I'm not sure what's happening. I don't know. And it was like everything was going pretty well for her. She hit the home run against USF, yeah. and then after that, it just seems like and that she's was, dropped off a cliff. That I don't was know odd because that was yeah. what a two-hour break in between games. Yeah. So I, I don't, I, don't know. I have no idea. But I think she knows. She knows she's got to step up and be better. Yeah. There's a. I was shocked when I got the lineup on the computer because I was late to the Sunday game. But she was in the seven hole. Yeah. For a Sunday game against McNeese. I wasn't that surprised. I was, frankly, a little surprised she was in the lineup. Period. Really. Yeah. I should. I should rephrase. So. Not surprised to see her in that spot. Just like whoa. Right. Kaylee Tao in the seven hole right. is happening. Exactly. But and again, some of that was because of how well Maddie Morgan was doing. Right. Uh, Jenna Johnson was hitting the ball really well as well. Uh, so some of that was moving those people up and maybe taking a little bit of pressure off of Tao by moving her down in the order some. You're also trying to find, you know, some production from the bottom of the order. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was one of the issues with at least the first Arizona game specifically when the bottom of the order uh, had an offer. And that's, you know, Alabama's got to get some production from up and down the lineup. And also a quick shout out to, I think we got to mention Crystal Goodman, what she was able to do on her, yeah, absolutely. On her senior day uh, against McNeese, throwing the, the four hit shutout. Got a little dicey in the seventh. Of course it did. We, but okay, we're all right. Everything's fine. <laughs> and, you know, she's very, very vital. I think Crystal Goodman's going to be very important for Alabama moving forward. Yeah. Shout out to Crystal because it was a leadoff double for the Cowgirls. Yeah. I was keeping track while I was at women's basketball. And then about an hour, two hours later, really, an hour and a half later, I get to Rhodes, headed to the top of the fifth inning, and McNeese had one hit since. Right. That's impressive. Yeah, she after that leadoff double, she cruised for most of that game, did really well. And McNeese isn't a bad offense either, so to be able to do that was, was impressive. So good for her, and both her and I thought Bailey also on her senior days, uh, they both played well, which isn't – sometimes there's – it's either you do really well or you do really not good on your <laughs> on your senior days. And so far, I think Alabama's been three for three on their senior days. Taylor Clark did had a home run on her. So yeah. hopefully that will continue. Yeah, there we go. Let's, uh, let's turn the page before we advance to first. Alcorn State on Wednesday, maybe. The weather's not good in T-Town. No, no. Um, obviously, we're not in a position to make a call in that game, but I like frankly to. will be a little surprised if we play. We'd like to stop raining at some point during the week. That'd be great. I know. I mean, I'm happy it's staying away on the weekends. Right. Weekend look, yeah, our, the weekends. The weekend looks good. Every every weekend right. has been perfect. And this weekend looks like the same. Yeah. So the cycle at least is working out for the weekend stuff. But it's just annoying having to deal with midweeks and, and weather. Yeah. 
Alcorn State, not a lot to talk about there. We'll move on to Arkansas coming up this weekend. Any lineup changes? Any idea on the pitching rotation, Tom, before we advance to first? I think if I had to, you know, make out the lineup card right now, I think it's going to be Lexi, Montana, Lexi. Really? Yeah. I, I would I would differ. I'd actually go Montana, Lexi, and then C. Or maybe Lexi, Montana, then C. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. Fighting in the booth. Okay. <laughs> That's fun. I like Sarah Cornell as a relief option. I like Crystal Goodman as a relief option. I actually think you could use Sarah Cornell as a closer if for right. whatever reason these seventh inning concerns continue. Right. That might be the ultimate answer. Yeah. You know, it, it, she she would thrive on it. Knowing really Sarah, she'd so. say, oh, yeah, what? Three outs? Come on. That's easy. Absolutely. <laughs> I agree. I think uh, that may be the ultimate answer if, if the issues continue. I know you would rather just have the complete game be thrown by your yeah. starter. Maybe go with the closer. You have enough arms. Sure. In terms of batting order, did you like Bailey in the four hole? I was a little bothered by it just because the more I thought about it, the more I wish KB was there because yeah. then you get KB's production has been great. You can have Maddie right behind KB in the five spot because she's doing so well. Mm-hmm. Have Bailey up at the top where she's batting in the first inning and has a chance to bat earlier. If say, who knows in the bottom of the seventh, you're starting off eight, nine, one against Arizona down a run. Right. You need Bailey to have a chance to bat sure. sooner. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, the, the further up in the lineup that somebody bats, the more chances they have to, uh, have extra at bats. I understand why the decision was made to put her at four, but I agree. I think I like her better at three as well, and, and especially as well as KB did in the four hole. That I'd be okay with that. I think a lot of it is going to rely on how well Kaylee Tao gets things turned around. Yeah, I'm cool with her being three and Bailey four, but if she's hitting like she is now, then Tao's going to be further down the lineup. Right, she's got to get on base yep. at this point. I mean, her OBP this year's. 328 right last year it was around 500 pretty much all season that was the thing even when she wasn't necessarily driving in runs she was getting on base all the time with the walks right Uh, that's just not happening right now we'll see what happens this weekend against the hogs as they come to Rhodes. i will be on tv with sid tom will take over radio i'm sorry leaving again goodbye (laughs) it's been fun that's the end of the show just kidding instead we've put it in play tom who are we again Maddie Morgan. Maddie Morgan. Driving and runs. all the time. That's what we do. Driving runs. Just little bloopers and singles. Right. They're, line through. We're not crushing the ball, but we're hitting the ball correctly at the right time. Exactly. That's the most important. We are Maddie Morgan. We've put it in play, and now it's time to advance to first. When we come back, upsets. What? I'm so surprised. <laughs> Don't be. They're happening all the time. Plus, what went on in the SEC? We'll talk about all of it when we get back here on the Out of the Box Podcast. Welcome back. We're still here. Gray Robertson, Tom Canterbury. We're advancing to first. The ball is out in the outfield, and we trotted over to the bag, and we are safe. It was easy. We rounded first, and we thought about legging it into a double, then decided no. We'll wait for that. We'll wait. Yeah. We'll, we'll try and flash our speed when <laughs> we uh, get the green light from Patrick Murphy. Sure. Let's talk upsets. Tom, is anybody safe? No. No, 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 everyone loses. Everyone loses. I like, will you, will you, do you mind giving the analogy again that you gave while we were doing the Arizona game together? College softball season this year has been like watching a season of Westworld. You can't stop watching it. You're totally intrigued and you're drawn in, but you're totally confused. I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Pretty much 82 total upsets. Do you know what the total was this time last year? 49. (laughs) That's a lot more. It, it is, yes. Again, math. Yes. But yes. 
59 unranked overranked this year. Do you know what the 2019 total was after four weekends? Fewer than that. Yeah, 32. Wow. I've never seen anything like it. And we got no. more of it in week four. I was going to say the one thing about that number two of the unranked over the ranked is that it's not like those teams that were unranked should have been ranked. Right. It's, it's not like these are guys that are just outside or they were under undervalued to begin with. The, again, it's it's like a team that will lose to Maryland and then turn around and, and run rule a, a top 15 team. Exactly. And when I keep my group of five stat, that's not all JMU and Louisiana. Right. It's plenty of teams right. it's, doing this kind of thing. It's Loyola Marymount. Yes. Is that is that the upset that shocked you most? Loyola Probably Marymount so. over LSU? Yes, especially because LSU had been playing so well beforehand. It was the week before when LSU threw the you know the perfect game, and they, they were just dominating people, and then turn around and lose to, uh, to Loyola Marymount. That's the shocker. Okay. And, and I think Villanova over uh, Florida State. I think Villanova over Florida State and Baylor in the same weekend is pretty right. wild. Because I, I, I was unaware of Villanova being an unknown softball power. They're eleven and nine on the year, I think. <laughs> right, with two yeah. of the best wins you can get it's, at a neutral site. It's unbelievable. And then the other one, North Texas over Oklahoma. Now they lost the second game later on in what was just a high scoring. You know, right. everyone hits a home run affair, but had a le- had but had a lead in that game. Yeah, too. they did, and yeah. they won the first game of the day over Oklahoma four three in Norman without their ace starting. I'm not sure which pitcher they threw, but it wasn't their yeah. number one. Wow, she came in in relief. Uh, later on to close it out once they realize, oh, hey, we're actually about to beat Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. We should, you know, win. Right. And they did. Oklahoma now with losses to North Texas and Long Beach State this year. Also, we had an historic victory as East Tennessee State beat Tennessee, which snapped a 100-game winning streak for the Lady Vols against in-state opponents. That, that's unbelievable. Tennessee. We're going to talk more about Tennessee later, but right. what in the world yeah. is going on in Knoxville? I I don't know, and it just makes me you know if you go back to the season preview, I'd wish you wouldn't <laughs> listen to my thoughts on Tennessee because they, they were they have not been coming to pass. I well again we'll get to Tennessee later, but right. I I have a lot of thoughts about that. <laughs> we have all the thoughts. Let's dive into the week in the SEC. Arkansas Tom finally played somebody and they lost twice. Mm. 3-2 to Baylor, 2-1 to Florida State. Not bad losses. You know, no. They didn't get blown out, sure. but they struggled to score. And they're, and, but they're playing those games at home. Right. So this is really, this upcoming weekend is their first action away from Fayetteville, really, against quality, quality competition. We'll see how All-American Autumn Storms does. Yes. Is Mary Half capable? I mean, <laughs> she's her? been up, kind of up yeah. and down this year, like every pitcher we've yeah. seen. Like pretty much everyone has been. Yeah. So it's going to be uh, very interesting to see what Arkansas has when they come in, having just come off of their first weekend where they played good competition and took it on the chin a couple of times. So yeah. again, it's hard to get a, a good reader handle on anyone the way the season has gone, but they're going to come in and they're going to rely on storms and, and half. And if Alabama's offense can get going on them, Hopefully, it'll be a chance for Alabama's pitching staff to kind of get get healthy a little bit. Yeah, we'll present some of those stats when we do the game broadcast this weekend, but I looked up the career numbers for Autumn Storms and Mary Half against Alabama. Mary Halfs are very good. Autumn Storms are very not. Right. And it's been a while since Arkansas has come to Rhodes. I have never seen it happen. I joined wow. yes. the radio crew after this series occurred a couple years ago. Chandler Dare's senior weekend in Tuscaloosa, and Chandler actually hit a walk-off home run in one of the games against the Razorbacks. Fun times. Yes. Can't wait for this weekend. 
Auburn had some interesting times this weekend. <laughs> oh, sorry. Excuse me. They split with Minnesota. They did. They uh, got, a good win. Win. They yeah, got a good win. Yeah, they kind of lit up on on the low. Amber Fraser, she went 10 and two-thirds, gave up 11 hits, nine runs, seven of those earned, six walks, 12 Ks. Auburn was 5-1, and one, got weirdly pushed in one game by Binghamton. Binghamton, that's the one I was laughing about. That was odd. Yeah. I think they ended up winning 11-8, 11-6, something like that, yeah. but it was dicey against Binghamton. <laughs> I don't know what I'm getting with Auburn. No, no one does. So there's that. I mean, other than overrated lemonade, I don't really know what you're getting with them. <laughs> Samantha Yarbrough pitched a one hitter against Minnesota, which was impressive. But but uh, how is much that, is that going to happen often this year? Right. I don't know. She's she's a good pitcher, but I was going to say how much of that was Minnesota having no idea who that person was until she probably took the circle. I think that probably had something to do with it. I think Minnesota pretty much handled them in the first game, but then turn around, give them credit. Auburn played better in the second game yeah. and beat Pfizer. We'll pick Auburn's SEC opener later on. I don't know what to do, but we'll we'll talk about that <laughs> as we uh, as we go forward. So Florida lost two of three at home to Louisiana. Now I have some stats as I usually do. Florida had at least a four run lead in every game. Finished one and two. Ouch. Pitching on the weekend: Natalie Lugo, ten innings, seven earned runs. Katie Cronister, seven and a third, one earned run. That's pretty good. <laughs> Riley Trilicek, one and a third. Five earned runs. Ooh. Yikes. Elizabeth Hightower, one and two-thirds, one earned run, three walks. Danny Farley didn't even make it through a full inning. Didn't give up anything except three walks. I mean, I think Louisiana is good, so I'm I'm not about to say that the Florida pitching is trash. But at home, I expected better, especially considering what the score was in the first game of that series when they shut out the Cajuns. Right. I was saying, maybe we need to get back in the pitching lab for some more experiments. But... (laughs) That get being the beaker's time. Right, get them going. Here's one of the issues, though, that I think makes Florida losing this series a little bit more concerning than even some of these other upsets that we've seen, is that a lot of these upsets that we've seen have come in these tournament-style type situations where teams are playing two games a day against different opponents. Somewhere in California or something. Right, yeah, yeah. or even if at home, but you're saying, all right, it kind of makes it to where you're not sure how you're going to do your pitching. Right, because you know we got to keep this 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 girl back for this extra game that we got to play here later on, which might make you leave somebody in a little bit longer than you normally would have things like that. Florida lose two or three; they're playing just one game a day against the same team. They should have been able to set that lineup a little bit better. And then for Florida and for Louisiana again, Louisiana is a good team; they're a possible World Series contender this season. A lot of people picked them as a dark horse contender to go. So not shocking that they were able to get at least one win from Florida, but I'm kind of surprised they took the series. Yeah, it is concerning to me to see Riley Trilicek just throw an inning and a third because she was the freshman. I mean, she was, this is the girl that was going to be the heir apparent to Kelly Barnhill and Lugo has done well, but for the second most innings on the team to be to Katie Cronister, who I would have considered Florida's number four pitcher this year. Right. I don't know if that's changed. I haven't seen her pitch yet. That's not great. That's a bit of a concern. Sure. So we'll see. We'll see what we get out of the Gators. Georgia played nobody one yeah, over the weekend, except in the midweek when what? they traveled to Clemson and lost 4-1. <laughs> would that be the Clemson Tigers in their first year as a program? Yes. Did you watch any of this game? I did not know. Okay. I just followed along a little bit. I went back and watched a couple highlights on a Watch ESPN. That place was hopping. At, oh, yeah. I hope we go to Clemson one day just because. Yeah. I want to play a game there. That, that looks cool. like such a cool place to play softball. Pretty impressive for Clemson to win, and I think very concerning to see Georgia only put up one run, and Mary Wilson Avant 
really struggled. Gave up six consecutive singles in that game at one point. Yeah. So I, I don't know what we've learned from Georgia, this non-conference, except that we'll see. I mean, yeah. again, it's hard for to make a judgment on them because of the schedule they played. They, of course, they came to Clearwater, so they got some good games in there. But other than that, you know, they played JMU and had some crazy comebacks there. There are some good teams. I think they're they're a good offensive team, and sometimes good offensive teams even have bad games like they did against Clemson. Uh, but it's, I think it's hard to sustain success if you're relying so much on the offense if your pitching can't back it up. Yeah, Mary Wilson Avan has to be better, simply yeah. put. Yep. Kentucky outscored opponents 66-3 to in Longwood, Florida. Wow. I didn't even know they were in Longwood the first time I saw right. the score of their first game over the weekend. <laughs> they're somewhere where they're playing spring games. And I was like, well, okay, wherever that is, and going well. And the scores reflect that. <laughs> right. Well, it also reflected, unfortunately, on a scoreboard where they were flipped around and I spent an entire game thinking Dartmouth had <laughs> defeated Kentucky, which did not happen. Unfortunately. It would have no. been fun. Cause... That would have been. But the way the season's gone, I was like, Sure. I'm sure Dartmouth won that Micah game. Schroeder with a grand <laughs> slam in the fifth. Absolutely. Beat Kentucky. Yeah. Do we know anything about Kentucky? They open SEC play this weekend, but I still feel like I don't know. I mean, we've ta- yeah. gone over the pitching numbers at times. It's been up and down. They can score. Sometimes they can't score. Right. I don't know. Again, enigma, as always. They're enigma. If we were to do power rankings, though, I'd probably have to put them in the top five now. Of the I conference. would, too. Uh, which was not the case before. Even sometimes with Kentucky, we can get halfway through the conference schedule, and I don't really know. They're just they're an enigma. You know, one thing I do know, What's I bet that? they are a 14 through 16 national seed. <laughs> that's where they live. <laughs> that's where they live, and they enjoy being there. And then they'll have to go to either Oregon or Washington right. <laughs> it's or a, UCLA. It's an extended plane trip whenever they got to go somewhere. Congratulations to disaster Ole Miss. <laughs> they won out this weekend to finally get over 500. Wow. Props to the Rebels. Of course, they had to take on their uh, new biggest rival, Cal Baptist. <laughs> they, they had to take on Cal Baptist in, in Mexico, and then they had to play them again this weekend. So Cal Baptist is to Ole Miss as Illinois State is to Florida. Is Absolutely. What you're saying. 100%. And what South Carolina Upstate used to be for Alabama. Because it seemed like we played them every year in the regionals, especially. Yeah, weird. Yes. But, hey, I mean, Ole Miss, if they can get it together, I still think that they can be okay if Molly Jacobson pitches well. It's just when she's not in the game, I don't know what's going to happen. I still don't think they're going to make the NCAA tournament, but they needed some kind of momentum coming into SEC play to have a chance. And maybe, like, you know, the games they played, who was it that they played top-level team? Was it Oklahoma or yeah, Texas? they beat Oklahoma State. They right. Had, Played well with Texas. Yeah, so I think maybe just playing in those games and not getting blown out after the way the season had started maybe gave them some confidence moving forward. Yeah. Missouri's weird. Yeah. They beat Wichita State twice, once on a walk-off. They beat Nebraska, as they should. Mm -hmm. And then another weird, terrible run rule loss to a bad team. They lost to Nebraska 10-2. Right. I mean, is this is this going to be the Missouri season? I think Missouri is the toughest team in the SEC to sweep and be swept by. I don't think they're going to have any sweeps over opponents or get swept by anyone this season. Yeah, maybe not. That's I think because they're ones that can beat anybody, but they can lose anybody too because they don't have that go-to number one pitcher. They're pitching by committee. I know that Coach Anderson does a great job and has them has them all bought in for this year, despite the the postseason ban, but you got to think there are going to be times this year where that's going to kind of get to them. That yeah. they, they are 
only playing for pride. They're not really playing to try to win win anything this year. So that's going to result in some lapses. Mm-hmm. To throughout the season, maybe that's what we see when the games like those that Nebraska game. Yeah, Missouri. I mean, who knows? Pitch by committee. The yeah. offense is good. Jazz Rollins still continues to be dynamic, but sure. I don't know what I'm going to get out of the Tigers this year. I do know what I'm going to get from South Carolina for a while, and that's pitching without Kelsey O and without Kayla Drotar. And we saw that kind of come through a bit this weekend. Yeah, they did lose the one game to Troy. But that being said, ever since those those two have gone down. It hasn't gone into a tailspin. For right, them. that's true. They've done a nice job keeping it afloat. Yeah, and maybe that's just trying to do that. Don't go into that tailspin. Don't completely fall off the map until those two can come back, and then maybe they can make a run toward the end of the season. We're going to see how good Carly Heath and all the other pitchers, how they do mm-hmm. because they open at Georgia in mm-hmm. SEC play. That's not the offense you want to face if you're down your one and two. Right. Woof. <laughs> yeah. We already touched on Tennessee. I'm, I don't want to call it a victory lap, but I would like to say I was right because Ashley Rogers is still out and Tennessee can't do anything no, right now no. because my question in the preseason was, okay, Ashley Rogers, we know she's talented, but gone is Maddie Moss, gone is Kalen Arnold. Who's going to pitch behind her? I said a new Cali Turner would be okay, but is she going to be enough? And the answer has resoundingly been no. And even when she has been enough, the offense has not picked her up. So Tennessee, disarray. And they will not be a good team until Ashley Rogers comes back. Well, and then even though I picked Tennessee to finish second in the SEC, I am by no no means someone that holds the flag for the Lady Vols. I'm not upset to be wrong about that. I'm, I'm happy you are correct overall. I don't think it's teams in the conference should look at Tennessee struggling right now and say those are going to be easy wins. No, I completely agree. They're, yeah. Yeah. They're not going to be a pushover. No one in this league is. I, I just, I have a tough time. None of these games count in the conference. That's true. But we still don't really have a firm timeline on Ashley Rogers. No. I, and I keep hearing different things. You know, is she sick? Is she injured? Is it her back? Is it her leg? I don't know. Well, I, and, and as I've said, I don't know if there is a sport that where it's more cloak and dagger and it's more mysterious about injuries in college softball. It is amazing how it, college softball coaches had to do a DL uh, and actually talk about what the actual injuries were. Uh, I don't know if they'd be able to handle it. The government should just send all of our national secrets to college softball right. coaches. It would never get out. No one hacks them. No, nothing. <laughs> Russia doesn't involve on any of this stuff. No, no one would know anything ever. <laughs> Where's Montana Fouts? I right. don't know. No one knows. Where are the nuclear codes? I don't know. <laughs> just wait for the press release in two right. to four days. It's amazing, though, how no one knows anything except for somehow everybody knows everything. I know. I don't and it's not so much what they know is what they think that they know that they're wrong. What's about. funny is you'll see like, Oh, you know, 8,000 predictions. There's always two people that have it right. Right. But then somebody will say, no, that's ridiculous. Oh, come on. That yeah. can't be it. It's crazy. <laughs> Finally, before we flash our speed and head mm. for second, right. Texas A&M. I just wanted to touch on this. So they run ruled Southeastern Louisiana, 10, nothing. Congrats to you right after losing and a run rule to southeastern Louisiana. <laughs> right. Ain't yes. nothing at Davis Diamond. I don't I don't know what's happening. I mean, this is a team that beat Arizona. They beat Arizona. And played was right there with Oklahoma in games. And then I don't know. On the road. I mean, not yeah. on the road, but that was right. out west. Not at home. Right. Yeah. So they come home and lose 
to UT Arlington and Southeast Louisiana and Sam Houston State. Sam Houston State. They they have trouble putting away Lamar. I don't understand Joe Evans. What is going on? It's like in she, conversation. It's she. It's like she keeps waffling. Do I want to retire? Eh, no, let's stay around. Eh. Not nah, just kidding. I'm tired. Let's. <laughs> what do if, you want, Joe? Right. I understand you're having to play games where your batters are somehow batting with a giant coat on. <laughs> I understand the weather is not the best. Why? But, why but are why? they doing that? I don't. It's. It looks like it would be uncomfortable. It's not. It's not like an attractive thing. I don't. No, you know. You can't I, get full extension. No. The, mean, it's not like uniform jackets. No, right. It's puffer jackets stuff. Yeah. I it's like what I would wear skiing. I don't understand. It's not that bad. I was in College Station while these players were wearing these jackets. Right. I was in a collared shirt. Wow. I don't know. I don't know if these girls are all from Hawaii or something. And <laughs> they're just used to it being warm. But come on. Watching Chrissy Curry. Take down A and M, my girl. It was Coach awesome. Curry. What a run for the for the Alabama women's basketball team. If there are any members of the NCAA women's basketball selection committee listening, put Alabama in. They deserve it, and I really want to go to an NCAA <laughs> tournament game. They should be. This it. is my only year with women's basketball, and I would like to be a part of history if, if possible. If they go with your with you there for this year. They're going to bring you back somehow. I know. They're going to keep you. They're going to keep you. I'm going to get signed. This is great. I want to look for jobs after this year. That's good. Tom, what's that? Do you see that over there through the fog and Facebook comments? Is that is that Patrick Murphy flashing the sign? Yes. Oh, my goodness. I, I think we should go. We got the green light. Might as well. Let's do it. Let's slide into second and <laughs> talk to someone very special. One of the contributors to the seven innings podcast. You know her on ESPN primetime softball. It's Michelle Smith. Smitty is here. We're going to chat with her on the other side here on the out of the box podcast. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the out of the box podcast. We are stealing second here. Gray Robertson and Tom Canterbury flashing our speed on the base pads and now it is time as always in this segment to chat with one of the experts in college softball and it's none other than one of the contributors on the seven innings podcast espn softball analyst two-time olympic gold medalist and of course all american back with the oklahoma state cowgirls it is michelle smith michelle how are you welcome in Thanks, guys. Appreciate being here, Tom Gray. I'm really looking forward to uh, spending some time talking about the Tide. Oh, boy. We're going to talk about the Tide and a lot of other things going on in college softball because it has been a crazy year. I mean, you followed this sport for a long time. This is probably the most nuts February we've ever seen. Upsets out the wazoo. (laughs) So what has led to what's happening? Why are we seeing so many just shockers every single day in this sport? Yeah, that's a great question. I think a lot of it's parity. I think there's a lot of excellent ball players out there, committed coaches, um, experience. There's a lot of ball players that have played in big environments, and if uh, you know they walk on the field to take on a Florida, Alabama, UCLA, Texas, whoever it might be, they're not as intimidated anymore, and they feel like they can play with anyone. And that and that's a lot of it. When you're on the field and you you feel like you match up well against your opponents. Uh, it gives you a lot of confidence and a confident team can beat almost anybody. So I think it's a, it's been a number of different things, but I think it's some of the rule changes. I think it's some of the, um, the, the fact too, that some of these coaches are really doing a good job of making sure that they test their young teams and their young kids early. So we graduated quite a few really good uh, upperclassmen 
the last couple years. So some of these younger ball players are now having to take lead roles that don't have quite as much experience. So if you're a mid-major and you have an experienced team with upperclassmen, you're going up to, uh, against uh, maybe a, a, a Power 5 school saying, hey, this is a Power 5 school, but this is a young squad, and you, you feel like you may, might would have the upper hand on them. And some of these tournaments we're seeing where you see very perplexing results on the same day. Like, say, for example, this weekend we saw Maryland beat Wisconsin, and then Wisconsin yep. turn around and beat Arizona State. So it's, it's, yes. and it's, and it's not like it's all happening. It's happening on the same day sometimes. Yes, and so I think what is a conundrum for some of the coaches is they have to figure out their pitching staff. Who are they throwing against who? Who matches up best? against Team XYZ versus Team ABC. And and sometimes when you've got young kids, you, you may not know. You may not know uh, and, and may not have the, the total scouting report on Maryland hits the low ball better than the high ball and you end up uh, throwing your, your down ball pitcher and you're like, whoops, mistake early on the game and you're, you're having to adjust and make some changes. So I think there's a lot that goes into it. I think that it's really challenged coaches this year. And I think the other thing is that it just shows how important it is to have a complete pitching staff that your your one and your two are more like a one a and a one b when yeah I think most of the teams that have that are the ones that are are pretty successful and aren't as vulnerable. Well, I think one team trying to figure that out is Texas. They've obviously got Miranda Ellish, but yep. Shailen O'Leary, Courtney Day, they're trying to figure out where they fit into that pitching staff. And, you know, we saw Texas play one of the crazier just single weeks I've ever seen in this sport with the win at UCLA, a split with Louisiana. They beat Michigan. They lost to Fresno State with Ellish starting somehow. So what did we learn from the Longhorns this week after a very long seven days? Well, Ellis is an All-American, and she's fabulous on both sides of the plate. Shailen O'Leary is, I think, better than most people give her credit because she kind of lives in Ellis's shadow a little bit. Um, but this is a Texas squad that, to me, is definitely one of the best teams in the country. I think that they're going to be in Oklahoma City. Uh, I think that they have a great ability to hit, to run, to pitch. I think for Ella, she, she just needs to be a little bit more dominant, not get off, give up those leadoff walks at, late in the game. And, you know, it's all those little things. You have to be super um, specific, anal, on top of every little thing when you're pitching and you want to win day in and day out. You can't have those little mental lapses. And I, I see in, in Amanda Ellis uh, 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 her ability um, – to really, really do well when she's on point. And every once in a while, Miranda will have that little, um, I don't know if it's a lapse in, um, in concentration or focus, and she allows her opponent to sneak back in. Uh, on the other side, I love the fact that O'Leary is a great mix with Ellis, the, you know, hard up hard down you know they can do a lot of different things together and Mike White is one of the best pitching coaches obviously in the country so that's that's a program that I think has a a lot of potential for this year to to make a lot of noise Um, but you know how it is it always comes down to who plays the best when the lights are the brightest and you've got to have kids that are fearless that go out there and they attack and, Mm -hmm. and, and want to be in that big moment every single time. Talking with Michelle Smith from ESPN in the Seven Innings podcast. Don't want to get anybody into any trouble. <laughs> we heard we heard about some benchings last year, so we don't want to let that happen. Michelle Smith from Seven Innings, and uh, you uh, we all you all mentioned some teams that are going to have to 
you know, play with, with fearlessness. And when those teams so far this year has been Louisiana, the raging Cajuns go to Gain, Gainesville and take two or three from Florida uh, this weekend. And uh, the way that things have gone, this may be the type of a year where, uh, um, you know, an upper mid-major team like Louisiana could make their way to OKC. Yeah, absolutely. And they've been there before in the past. That's a program that has a lot of pride, a lot of history that Gerard was, you know, I mean, it's funny because, you know, she spent so much of her career as well at LSU, but <laughs> their home stadium down there for the Raging Kings is named after her. It just shows what oh, a yeah. huge name she is in the state of Louisiana. Um, I love that team. I love Larry, Gary uh, Glasgow and um, the, the way that he coaches those kids. He, he really works them hard. Um, you know, Megan Kleiss coming in. I thought her game against Texas was just outstanding. But then it's here's one of those dichotomies you talk about. She had that great game against Texas, and then she goes down to Gainesville, and she got hit pretty hard by the Gators in game one of that series. So, you know, a lot of it is you as a pitcher have to learn to zig and zag when your opponent is zagging. You know, you got to be zigging. And you just always have to figure out a way to have a different look and know immediately when someone is on top of you or prepared or they've scouted you and have a really good game plan against you. But I, I love that team. I love the fact that they have had a unique hitting history uh, over the years with um, f- former coach uh, Michael Lotif, who was just outstanding there. Um, so I, I look for them to make a lot of noise as well. And I, th- I think this is a year where mid-majors are going to garner a lot of respect. JMU is another one. Uh, there's just some really good ball clubs out there that are, are, that are going to have the opportunity to knock off some big dogs. Michelle, I wanted to dig a little bit further into that dichotomy of pitching like you were just talking about because I, I, I had a lot of time last night because the Alabama game ended quickly. So I put together a list of the ERAs of all the pitchers on the uh, preseason player of the year watch list, and a lot of them are over two. Gabby Plains is over three right now. Danielle Williams yeah. is over four. And we're seeing these pitchers in some games lit up, get lit up, and some games they pitch really well. So is that just because there's more film on them or offenses are just better? What's led to that overall in the sport? Yeah, I think it's I think it's scouting. I think there's a lot more film and I think pitchers cannot you cannot be complacent. I played 16 years professionally in Japan and I almost every year I, I, I would describe it as I would come back almost fearful in the sense that Everybody knows me. Everybody's got film on me. I have to do something different, whether or not it's a slight pause at the beginning of my motion. Maybe it's a different uh, angle of my stride. Maybe I'm working more down this year than up. I'm more off than, than hard. You've got to be a chameleon. You've got to be different because everybody is so prepared that you have to be able to make changes and identify those changes that you need to make make really early, not just in the game, but in, in at-bats and in counts. And I think a lot of these young pitchers nowadays, they take the sign from the dugout, and they're just robotic. They're not really mm-hmm. thinking. So they're not even seeing the adjustments that hitters are making. They're not even thinking, well, this isn't probably a good time to throw this pitch because of this reason, this reason, another reason. So I think it's going to be really important for pitchers, especially talented pitchers. All those pitchers you just mentioned, the Gabby Plains and all of them, that they, their, their ERA should be a 1-5 or lower, and, and they're not. They're elevated. Well, that just means that people are doing a lot of homework on them, and, and they're prepared. Well, and also on that document, I threw together the innings pitch numbers, and the one that really stood out to me was Megan Faramos at a 76 and a third for UCLA. And I was 
really shocked to look at the box score and the stat broadcast over the weekend and see her have to come in in relief in the first inning against Weber State. So it is clear that Kelly I really is having to throw Megan in a lot of these games because the other pitchers on that staff just aren't getting it done against these teams. And how much of a concern is her early season usage already? Because 76 is a lot of innings to throw on just a sophomore. Oh, absolutely. It is a ton of innings. And you're right, because they don't really have a super strong two or three behind her. Those innings are getting burdened on that shoulder of hers right now. And so maybe early on in the season, I mean, what is it, March 2nd? You know, <laughs> uh, it's going to be a little bit different when it's May 2nd and June 2nd. You know, that right. fatigue eventually will set in. And, and she still has to go through a Pac 12 conference. It's going to be really tough. So, yeah, those are all absolutely concerns. And, you know, that's what, to me, the hardest part. Uh, and the hardest decision for coaches. And um, I, I talk about it a lot of times when I'm in the booth for ESPN is the decision on when do you pull your pitcher? You've got to allow these young pitchers to have the experience of getting out of jams, of getting out of bad situations. Otherwise they never learn to, they get in a bad situation and they think, Oh, I'm going to get the hook. And you know, here comes the ace Bramo or Ellis or whoever it might would be to save the day. And you don't really develop true pitching staffs when you do that. As a coach, you almost have to be willing to take a couple of losses that you're you're teaching your young kids how to get out of really bad situations that they've gotten themselves into. Mm. And so – and that's tough. I mean, that's when your paycheck as a coach and, you know, you're defending national champions and all that stuff is riding on it. It, it can be really easy to just panic and pull the trigger because, you know, you got your ace in the pen. We may have touched on them so far, but what have been some of the teams that have uh, jumped out at you uh, throughout the first uh, first month of the season here? Um, I, you know, I love Texas. I love the way that they've come back. I love the way that uh, Miranda Ellis has come back from that injury that we saw, you know, in mm-hmm. her year last year. Um, so I, I love that. I love the fact that uh, Faramo is the ace of this team. I, everybody thought, oh, UCLA, poor UCLA, Bubba Nichols and Rachel Garcia are gone. They're going to be awful. And look at them. They're, they're ranked number one in the country. <laughs> we feel no pain um, for UCLA after what they did to us in Clearwater. No, so. my goodness I know, gracious. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and I'm, uh, and I'm surprised a little bit for um, Alabama and the Crimson Tide. I, re- I thought they would have been stronger early on in the year. I think that I think people forget that they lost, um, you know, Claire Jenkins not having her in the lineup is, is a huge loss for them. Graduating Mayor Schroeder and, and uh, Schroeder and, and uh, Dykes, Reagan Dykes. So, you know, that's 34 home runs that are out of that lineup right now this year, which is a huge loss for them. The other thing I noticed about their offense is that last year they walked as a team 333 times to just 243 strikeouts. Those numbers are a little bit more backwards this year. So they're not putting as many runs up on the board, and their ERAs are a little bit more lost lanes. Uh, Montana Fouts last year only had 57 base on balls her entire year. She's already got quite a few. She's up, um, I think, in the high 20s already this year. So it's all those little things that are huge in our sport. Because let's face it, our sport is so fast and the field is so small that even little things are huge. They're big. And so you have to learn how to limit the damage the the walk, the one walk that you, you cannot issue, the one, you know, error that you end up making, whatever, hit by pitch. It's all those little things that end up making a really big difference. 
You know, Michelle, I wanted to ask you about a stat that we were talking about earlier on in the show, and that was unfortunately the seventh inning struggles for Lexi Kilfoyle. You know, this year in innings one through six, her ERA has been 1.11, which is spectacular when you look at the competition that she has faced. But in the seventh inning, in just four appearances in the seventh, she's 0-4, and the ERA there is 19.25. So as a freshman, how do you mentally come over that and try and get over that hump after so many struggles trying to finish out some of these games? Yeah, so I think a lot of it is, you know, for me, that's more about nerves. Uh, It's more about learning you've got to be different. If you're in the seventh inning, more than likely, uh, you know, if you've started the game, now you're third or fourth time through the lineup with these really good ball players, really good hitters. So you've got to figure out a different way to get them out. You cannot be predictable. You've got to work from ahead. You've got to be able to say, I'm going to throw ground ball out. I'm going to throw pop-ups. Don't be worrying about strikeouts late in the game because when you're trying to throw, you know, strikeouts, a lot of times for power pitchers, you got to throw at least three pitches, obviously, to get that strikeout. I'd rather have a first pitch ground out, you know, or a first first pitch Mm -hmm. pop-up. But those are all things that you learn when you're young and, and you learn that gut feeling of, should I throw this pitch? Should I not? And it's sometimes hard to, to always learn that and understand that and feel that when the pitches are coming in from the dugout and maybe you're not a hundred percent sure what these hitters are, are hitting, but you know, second, third, fourth time through the lineup, you, sh- you should know that already. So I think for her, it's going to be nerves. It's going to be powering through and it shouldn't matter if it's the, the seventh inning. She needs to go out there and say, Hey, this is second inning. I'm going right after him or better yet. It's the fourth inning. Second time through the lineup. Come on, let's go. I'm going right at you. Right. Uh, is that- one of the last things about the kind of softball as a whole nationally right now, taking a look at a couple of the other conferences, looking at the Big Ten and the ACC, I thought this might be one of those years where you, know, you might see two or three teams start coming out of those as being major contenders. But the Big Ten, Minnesota's been a little up and down. Michigan started yeah. off really strong, but they've struggled the last week or so. Uh, uh, what do you see is happening in the Big Ten and the ACC where they have a lot, a lot of up and down play? Yeah, I I think it is exactly that. A lot of up and down. I really thought the Big Ten could have a big year with Michigan, Minnesota, and Northwestern, right? Look at what Northwestern did in the Supers last year against Oklahoma. They took them to that third game in Norman. Uh, I really was looking for some big things from them. Um, But I feel like this is a tough time of year for the Big Ten, especially the weather has not been great. So you know that most of the time, the only time they're getting outside is when they're traveling south. Uh, So it's tough. You know, a lot of obstacles that they have to overcome. The ACC has been, of course, Florida State, I think North Carolina, um, Virginia Tech. There's some other schools that have potential, but same thing. You got to play it day in and day out for four months. And, um, and, and I think we've seen a lot of inconsistency there. So, and, he, and even with Florida State, I think that they're still trying to figure some things out as well yeah. with their pitching staff, as, you know, as well as with their, um, with their offense. Uh, the, the, the conference that I think is stacked this year is the, is the Big 12. I mean, they have between Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Texas, Texas Tech, Baylor, you know, uh, Gia's back. Um, that, that's a tough conference, you know. You, uh, <laughs> you, better come, you better come to play every single day in the Big 12 this here. Yeah, I think one of the more, uh, two of the more shocking results we've seen all year were Kansas run ruling JMU in Clearwater and then Iowa yep. State being the team that ended Michigan's undefeated start. When we saw those scores, right. we were stunned. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And it just goes back that as a coach, you cannot take anybody lightly. You know, you, you think, oh, okay, maybe this is a gimme, and you start your number three or your number four to try to give them experience, and all of a sudden, 
you get down a three or four spot early and, and you, you can't dig yourself out of that hole. And then you're thinking, all right, well, I've got another game later in the day. Do I bring my ace in? You know, we're down by four runs. Those are they're tough decisions. Those are really hard things that, uh, you know, that coaches are dealing with this year. Um, but, but, you know, for, for us as fans and, and those of us that work in the, the sport, it's exciting. It's not the same old, same old every year. It's not being able to super predict, all right, these are my eight teams. You ask the, you know, the, you ask the top five or six analysts in the sport, what are their eight teams going to the Women's College World Series? And 99% of us say the same eight teams. Well, this year it's a little different. I bet we'd have a lot of different uh, names in the, in the hat and in the mix. And, and that's, an ex- that's exciting for everybody in the sport. It's compelling. The sport needs to stay compelling for our ratings uh, and interests. And, and I love it. I, th- I think we're exactly where we need to be. Well, I'm glad you brought up the ratings. And, you know, the growth of softball has been a big storyline the last couple of years. You know, we saw the ratings of the Women's College World Series last year were huge. The super regional ratings for Alabama. Alabama, Texas, we're over a million, and it just keeps getting on bigger. So how do we continue the growth of college softball? What needs to happen to further take that next step to get even bigger in the national landscape? Well, I think we just we need to keep pushing. We need to keep pushing. You know, I'm really working hard down here in Clearwater to um, – to get the community to build a stadium so we can keep growing that ESPN event and, and keep getting softball on now in February because people want it in February. They don't want to wait till March for, uh, you know, for regular season play to, to come on. They want to see games earlier in the year. I think that uh, the, the universities need to continue to support the programs with their funding um, and, and the coaches need to continue to help grow the sport, uh, not just in our country, but worldwide. You know, I love the fact that Gabby Plain is from Australia and is hopefully going to pitch in the Olympics for Australia, uh, you know, in Tokyo this summer. So it's all those little things that add up to make a really great, compelling story for women's sports. And, and, and I think pace of play, a couple of decisions that Meg Aronowitz and some of the folks at ESPN really got together with the coaches and the NFCA and said, look, we need to stay relevant. If we're going to stay relevant, we need to work on pace of play. We need to work on things in our game that are going to keep people vested and watching the game on television and the stands. And if we do these things right, it's going to be for the good of the sport. Tell you what, Michelle, me and Gray gave you a standing ovation uh, when, when you said they were going to, you're trying to get a uh, facility built in Clearwater for that tournament. That's, that is one of the, the greatest tournaments I've been to a regular season tournament to be able to go to that elite invitational in Clearwater with so many great teams in it. But yeah, the, the facility it it was it was kind of tough at times having to broadcast right behind home plate and and get set up each yep. game. Uh, yeah, and, and you know there aren't many there aren't many public facilities. If you look at Title IX, has been incredible for our sport. Look at all the incredible stadiums throughout the country that are built on university campuses. But mm-hmm. now, as as a country, we need to say, hey, wait a second. If our communities are spending millions of dollars on spring training facilities for Major League Baseball and their home stadiums for Major League Baseball or the NBA or whatever male sport it is we should be building some stadiums that are going to have economic impacts for women's sports, you know? And, and so that's my whole point is that if we can bring in thousands of people into a community that has great beaches, great weather, they love softball, they play a lot of softball year round. It would be an asset for the community. Then we need to do these things. And oh, the beneficiary is not going to just be the NFCA and, and the collegiate game. It's also going to be the little league and international. And so that we just need to keep, 
keep, you know, pushing forward to, to get things done. And that's really my hope is that if we can get a stadium built and we can get, you know, 20, 30,000 people coming in and, and watching the game, it's, it's really, it's good for everybody. And it just makes sense. And you mentioned it a little while ago, the Olympics coming back this year with softball and baseball being a part of the Olympics in Tokyo, uh, you're a two-time Olympic gold medalist. How excited are you to see Team USA back at it? Uh, super excited. You know, I'm, uh, this is a great team. They have so much talent. And I think right now it's early and they're you know, maybe dealing with a couple of injuries here and there. But this team is going to be ready to go. And um, I love that Monica Abbott and, and Kat Osterman are back and have that Olympic experience. Uh, it, it's just really where our sport needs to be. It was a shame on the IOC took us out of the Olympics, but um, we're here for, for Tokyo and good Lord willing, everything works out and the games go on this summer and, and team USA and Japan are, <laughs> are battling um, <laughs> team USA, Canada. I mean, it's going to be tough. Canada's got a really strong team as well. It's, it, this is going to be a fun Olympic games and it's just going to, I'm going to be very proud when we hear that Olympic music and, and see our athletes walk, walk into that stadium and, and represent us. I hear Canada has a really good pitcher. Uh, that you might possibly work with. <laughs> yes, yes, sir. Yes, yeah, she's. Is, uh, she can get it done, and she's a bulldog. Now that she's got that attitude, she's uh, she's on the she's on the offense, even though she's playing defense. <laughs> yeah, I, and I love the tweets that she sends out of her just striking out baseball players about you know once right? a week that with the different pitches, it's fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, it, it is. It, it's game on, you know, and I, and I love that. Her brother was a obviously a professional baseball player um, with the Blue Jays, and uh, her husband played pro ball for a bit. So yeah, it's uh, it's just fun stuff to see her matching up with the guys and being like, "Come on, get in there, and, and, don't, and don't be trying to bunt. Let's like, take a cut." You know? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, Michelle, thank you so much for hopping on this episode of Out of the Box. We're excited to see not only Team USA here at Rhodes this season, but hopefully you are you uh, planning on coming by to call a few games this season. I am. I'll be up uh, calling that Team USA game uh, at Alabama. Fantastic. We're looking forward to that. Yeah, and I'll be calling. Uh, I'll be calling a couple series. I'm on the road with the with the Tide, but I'm really looking forward to seeing them again. And uh, um, you know, I love Patrick Murphy and everything that he does, not just for the Crimson Tide, but for our sport. A lot of good people in our sport, and we're very blessed. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for hopping on with us tonight. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. That is the great Michelle Smith. And now we've put it in the gap. It is time to round third here on the Out of the Box podcast. Good vibes or bad vibes about some of these teams. We'll go through about seven or eight squads and say whether we have a good feeling going forward or a mad feeling based on what we've seen a month into the season. That coming up when we get back here on Out of the Box. back folks grand tom the out of the box boys multimedia superstars back here because it's time to round third what a great conversation with michelle smith yeah that was a lot of fun she genuinely excited to be on the podcast she we was. appreciate it yes yeah so now okay let's go through the seven innings checklist okay so we've got michelle smith right we've Schmitty. got jen schroeder we got, got day Shro. yeah we've got bro bro right? scar bro scar bro yeah who else have we had on who else do we need? I but, guess we have to go after BMO. Yeah, we haven't had BMO on. Holly Rowe. Has, has D-Lo with a V-Lo been on? She has not. Okay. She's, she's been on seven innings, not been on with us. Right. We've talked to her we, you know, when, when she's been in town. Yeah. 
uh, doing games and stuff. And oh, Shipman, forget yeah, about our course. friend Madison Shipman, who yeah. will come on at some point this season. Absolutely. So yeah, I think we've got. It's a huge cast. It so really I'm trying is. to think, but I think we we've gotten a pretty good percentage of it. Yeah. So now we just need everybody together, right? At a SEC now set. Mm-hmm. Pod- you know, I don't know. In, at Rhodes, maybe. Might as well. I mean, we're all gonna be here. Yeah. Podcast Palooza too. That the beauty of it Electric being Boogaloo. at Rhodes. <laughs> <laughs> the beauty of it being at Rhodes is that. We're going to be here all week. So right. whenever they, we can work off their schedule. Sure. Because we don't have to we're, we're ride not the stuck bus. In, we're not stuck in a hotel somewhere. Yeah. We don't have to Uber anywhere. I can drive my own car. Incredible. Yes. So excited for that tournament to be here. Oh my gosh, me too. Can't we're, tell you how much I'm excited. <laughs> we're not going to talk about any of those teams that will be in that tournament here in this segment because time is time for a new addition no. to the Out of the Box podcast. And the only time because... It's centered around one month. <laughs> right, which February is... feels. Ah, yes. Good vibes, man, or bad vibes. Mm. Bad juju. Who's in their feelings in a good way or a bad way. Yes. Drake or I guess, someone else right. who's written a song about feelings. You can neither be all up in your feelings or feeling yourself. We'll yes. see. Let's find out. So we're going to go through a bunch of teams I've listed. I've got record, good wins, losses. We're going to say how we feel. How do we feel about them? Okay. Plain and simple. I'll start with the 19-2 and two Washington Huskies. Losses. Alabama in five innings. you remember that, Tom? I do. Okay. I remember. It was fun. Screaming behind home blade. It was yes. great. Uh, an 8-6 to six result against Texas. They beat Florida State. They beat Oklahoma by 10. Beat LSU. Run-ruled Michigan. Beat South Carolina. And Sis Bates is back. So... How do we feel about Washington? Also knowing Gabby Plain has an ERA this year over three. Yeah, that that's the that is the one issue I have with Washington is what is going on with Gabby Plain. Although her issues are not not alone to her. I mean, there's it's it's been an issue all throughout, as we talked about with with Michelle. But if if she can get herself back to where she normally is, uh, they're definitely going to be an issue going down the stretch. Good vibes or bad vibes? Probably good. I, f- I feel good about yeah. Washington too. And the other thing. Washington is going to have a top five RPI once those first results come out, and that probably won't change the rest of the year, which means they're going to host Supers, which means they're going to the World Series because they're so tough to beat in Seattle in the postseason. Yes, as as I can attest to personally. So sad I missed it. Uh, Next time. That actually came up in my Facebook memories of the first trip to Seattle that year. And the sightseeing we did, which was fun. Seattle was actually very nice the first time, other than the results on the field. Didn't do as much second time. Again. Didn't have as much time. Really torn up that yeah. I wasn't there. Mm. Louisiana. Here's a giant wall of chewing gum. If you like <laughs> the Cajuns are 14 and 5. Wins over LSU, Oklahoma State, Texas, all splits. Got two or three against Florida. Have a loss to North Texas, which apparently isn't a bad loss right. now. Yeah. So how do we feel about the Cajuns? I'd feel pretty good about them, uh, especially, you know, they're about to get into conference play. Sunbelt plays some good softball overall, but they are the class of that league, and they should be able to get a sweep more often than not every weekend there. So I, I think they're in a really good spot right now. Yeah, I feel good. They're going to have a good RPI. Like you said, they're not going to get totally pushed by the Sunbelt. I will have an eye on the series when they play Troy. Yeah. Later on this season, Troy's a pretty good team. but Troy's not bad. Arlington could, you know. Arlington could steal a game. Yeah. I mean, it's been that kind of year, so sure. who really knows? Right. I have good vibes. About okay. Louisiana. Yeah, me too. Me too. All right. UCF for our dear friend Eric Lopez. Just going through all my favorite teams. Yes. 16-2 and two overall. Two run rule wins over Tennessee. 
which Eric Lopez, our friend from mm-hmm. the In the Circle podcast, is really wanting people to remember right. when the polls come out. The, you mean the team that also got beat by East Tennessee State? Yeah. That one. Right. Okay. Right. A 3-2 loss to Duke and a 12-3 loss to Washington. Yeah. How do you feel about UCF? Yeah, I think they should be ranked, but I'm not considering them a, a contender for Oklahoma City or anything. Right. Yeah, I have bad vibes about UCF. Yeah. And you know why? It's because they lost 12-3 to Washington right. when Gabby Plain is having a down year. I'm sure, when, I'm sure when they get ranked here this week, they'll you know, raise a banner, declare themselves <laughs> champions. Maybe. You know who they play this week? We'll talk about games coming up out of conference this week, but Wednesday they host Florida State. That'll be interesting. We'll see. Yeah. My answer could change if they run rule the Knowles or right. something. Yeah. Of course, this is a Florida State team that, yes, they beat Alabama twice, but they lost to Villanova last weekend. What is happening? Who knows? Who knows? Is anyone safe? Nobody's safe. Arizona 17-3. and three. 8 nothing run rule over Tennessee. 2 nothing over Missouri. Two wins here. We remember them well. Right. Lost to Oklahoma in extras, which kind of more puzzling the more I think about it since that was in Hillenbrand and Tucson and then a loss to A&M where they blew a 5 nothing lead yeah and then a 2 nothing loss to Florida which is you know not terrible but I'm a little surprised they weren't able to score anything on the Florida pitching so good vibes or bad vibes about Arizona I have good and okay. here's my reasoning their two top pitchers are both seniors and I think that's going to help going to help guide them through the Pac-12 two pitchers that have seen a lot uh, I think that was one of the main difference between Alabama and, and Arizona was in those games. Flex Kilfoy, the freshman going for Alabama, she's yeah. going up against two seniors in the circle for Arizona. I think that that can be a recipe for success overall. Uh, I think Arizona has enough offensively. Uh, we'd like to see what the final prognosis is for Palacios when she got injured on Sunday, but you know she was able to fly home with the team. Hopefully it, it's just a, just a concussion. Again, concussions can be bad, but hopefully she won't be out too long. Uh, I think they have enough off- offensively. I got good vibes. I have good vibes as well. Jesse Harper now has seven home runs on the year. Right. What do you do? Alabama did a great job limiting her as much as they did mm-hmm. over the two games. That won't happen very often this season. So Arizona is going to be around for a yes. while. Yep, I agree. Oregon, 17-2. and two. They've got one good win. That's a 7-2 victory over Mississippi State. We'll see how much that holds up. Their losses are to Louisville, who we saw here a couple weekends ago. Kind of perplexing. Yeah. yeah. And then a 5-4 loss to Oklahoma State in nine innings in Stillwater. You know, their worst losses out there for sure. But sure. how do we feel about Oregon? <laughs> I, too, have bad vibes. Yeah, <laughs> that is my bad vibes uh, noise. Yeah, I, I don't see. Not only did they lose those games, they struggled to beat UIC the next game uh, after they lost to to. Uh, Louisville and UIC then hammered Louisville earlier. So again, we had the transitive property not working correctly, right? But they have not played much of a schedule at all. Yes, they've won a lot of their games. They haven't looked real impressive in a lot of those victories. I don't understand them losing to Louisville. So not bad. I have bad vibes too. And they play Seattle this weekend. So. Right. Which I've already gone on record predicting they're going to lose at least one of those games. I just, I, I see them running into issues once they get into the back schedule. Yeah. Their second conference series of the year is against Washington. So we will see Uh, how they do. By the way, shout out to the Seattle softball Twitter account. How about that? We stand Seattle. 
Apparently so, which I didn't know what that means, and I'm not 100% sure I still don't know what that means. Hey, I didn't know when I said it, but I'm buying in now. <laughs> they a, agreed. It's they a said hashtag. thanks for the love. It's so. a hashtag and everything. Yeah, good work. But yeah, bad vibes about Oregon. What yeah. about the team that beat them? Oklahoma State, 13-5 and five overall. Good wins. Run rule over Virginia Tech, 2-0 over Minnesota, 4-1 over Alabama. A split with Louisiana, got that extras win over Oregon. Lost two to LSU, lost one to Missouri. Lost to Ole Miss, mm-hmm. and then of course the loss and the split to the Raging Cajuns at thirteen and five. How do we feel about Oklahoma State? Can can I have a me a me vibe a me vibe? Yeah. yeah, I'm in the same boat. Kind of right there. I think they're in, they can beat a lot of teams, but they can they can lose to some teams. Too. I would like to just preemptively congratulate them on third in the Big Twelve. I mean, pretty I, much. I think yeah. that's their ceiling. Which doesn't mean they won't beat Oklahoma once or Texas once right. or those type of things. But uh, they'll lose a game to Texas Tech. They'll lose a game to like, maybe a couple games to Baylor. I mean, who knows? Yeah, they could drop one to Iowa State or something. You know, you never know what's going to happen. That's they have. I think they have a chance, depending on where they fit seating wise, to make a run. Uh, kind of like what they did last year, but I wouldn't pick them right now. I wouldn't either. Yeah. All right, three more. Minnesota, 12-7 and seven overall. Uh, good wins. Florida State, 7-6 in Clearwater. A run rule of Missouri, 10-1. And then losses to Missouri, Kentucky, Oklahoma State, Virginia Tech, Baylor, Texas State, and Auburn. We've already gone over a little bit of Amber Pfizer and her struggles this year. Right. She's thrown 77 innings already. That's concerning. Yeah, good vibes or bad vibes. I'm bad. Bad, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. That's You're relying on Pfizer, and even when you do throw her, she's not been the shutdown that she needs to be. Uh, but she's Minnesota's kind of indicative of the entire Big Ten right now. A lot of up-and-down plays we talked with Michelle Smith about. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to mention it, but Northwestern this year, 1-9 against ranked teams. Ugh. That's not great. No. You know, no. I'm, I'm bad vibes there. Let me tell you <laughs> right. that Northwestern, no one's winning freshman of the year over there. Yeah. Let's go to Florida state. Shouldn't have done it last year. That's right. Seminoles are 10 and six overall. They started six and oh, we should know. Yeah. Yeah. Good wins over Alabama twice, Baylor and Arkansas this past weekend losses to Washington, seven, nothing a Minnesota team that we don't like a Northwestern team. We just <laughs> ragged on that's Northwestern's <laughs> one ranked win UCLA and a game that they probably should have won Baylor and a nine to six loss to Villanova. What in the world what? is going on in Tallahassee, Tom? Wow! Like if you asked me this question after the first week of the season, I was like, Florida State may go undefeated and win the national championship. I did. Yeah, you were all in at Clearwater, <laughs> right? Well, one hundred percent. They're amazing, and then you know they struggled in Clearwater, and they've been up and down since. So I think I'm kind of in the meh category with Florida State right now. I still think they can do a lot once they get into the ACC because the the competition won't be that difficult day in and day out. Uh, but I'm not sure I would pick them to go much further once conference plays over. Yeah, I've I've got a bad vibe about Florida State, and I know that's wow. weird because I saw them beat Alabama twice. Right. But but Alabama outplayed them the first game, and then you know yeah, the, a lot happened that next right. day. But yeah, I just I don't like their pitching. I you know, and Kalen Arnold is good; she's fine. But if you get her, mm. what do they do? What do they, who do they turn to? Because everybody else has had some moments to shine, but they keep trying to throw enter. They're number three or four, mm-hmm. and it keeps not working. Keeps not working at all. And I just don't think they're deep enough in the circle to make a push in the postseason. That could change, 
But right now, I have a bad vibe about that team. Okay. All right. Final team, Baylor. 17-4 and four overall. Good wins over Minnesota, Arkansas, and Florida State. Losses in run rule fashion to Missouri, Missouri State, Villanova, because the Wildcats are a real wow. giant killer, and Florida State 5-3 this past weekend. Does, was unaware of the uh, the Big East and their propensity for big upsets in college softball, apparently. I'm not even sure if Villanova's in the Big East for softball. I don't know what, what conference are they in. Congrats to Villanova for making us have to look this up after right. the show. We'll figure, we'll figure that out. But again, I, I'm not totally unsold on Baylor. I, I wouldn't put bad vibes, but again, I kind of put middle, middle of the road vibes. Those losses are concerning. Too. Yeah. I've got good vibes because I like what Gia Rodoni is doing in the circle. I think I could, I would not be shocked at all if we were doing our show after regionals and Baylor's one of the final 16 teams left. Right. When I look at this Baylor team, though, I see a really dangerous two seed. I think, I think they can fit that role. So I do have good vibes about Baylor. We'll see how long it lasts. All right. Before we go and head home, big non sec games this week slash weekend, Tom pick Mm -hmm. one that super duper jumps out at you kind of being unfair i'm picking two but they both feature ucf yeah florida state and ucf on wednesday and then ucf has to play ucla on friday uh so we'll see about 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 the golden knights good vibes or bad vibes wait until saturday (laughs) morning yeah and when we'll find out it's not as big of a weekend because you're starting to get into conference play so you're not seeing as many matchups overall but uh there are some there are some definitely big games to be had here throughout the weekend i've got my eye on saturday minnesota and UCLA. If Amber Pfizer wants to make a statement that she is still one of the top three pitchers in the country, nothing would do it more than shutting down the UCLA Bruins. Right. But then some someone on that Minnesota offense is going to have to hit for Amo. Right. Good I don't luck. think it'll happen. Good luck on that. Oh, boy. I Yeah, I hate that we're not going to probably get 20-plus upsets like we've gotten the last couple no. weekends, but that means we're getting into the juicy conference play games, right. Tom. It's amazing that you know, you're you're now about a month in, so now we're starting to get into the conference play. See, we're going to see if some of these teams will be able to kind of right their ship and settle things down, or if some of the uh, the surprising losses throughout the beginning in the pre-conference will continue to uh, to haunt them. Shall we talk about some of those games in the SEC when we get back? Can't wait. Oh, my goodness. Will I win or will Tom? Who knows? Who knows? But I'm going to keep track, and so should you. And, hey, are we still curses? We'll find out if we believe that on the other side when we head home here on the Out of the Box podcast. We are back. It is time to head home. The sun is setting. You are probably arriving close to your destination if you are listening to this on a plane or in a vehicle. We're excited that we've been able to guide you along on your journey. Gray Robertson and Tom Canterbury here. Hopefully making that trip seem a little less long. Hopefully. That's that's our that's our goal. And what have we done so far in this episode? Now let's recap it. Sure. Why not? We started at the plate. We talked about Alabama. Put it in play and advanced to first and talked about the upsets. Is anyone safe, Tom? Nobody. Nobody's safe. Nobody okay, is cool. safe. Just checking again. Yes. Still, we, still hasn't changed in the last hour. Yeah, good. Still nobody's safe. Good to know. Then we stole a second, talk with Michelle Smith. I believe we're going to get her back on the show. Yeah. Soon. She that was, was a lot of fun. She good times. Great. A lot of good answers. Then we rounded third, gave out some vibes, good or bad. Mm. Mostly and, good, but that will probably change in the next month. Right. Some, even some meh vibes. Meh. Yeah. Meh. Yeah. <laughs> 
And now it's time for us to head home and finally make some predictions. Yes. What a time to be alive. All right. Shall we? SEC play gets started this weekend, Gray. Let's just jump off the cliff right here. <laughs> Auburn at Florida. Oh, wow. Would you like to go first, partner? Yeah, and, and so someone's going to win these games. Someone I can't pick them both to go in three. Someone has to win. Right. But I'm going to pick one of the teams to go in three. That's going to be Auburn. I think Florida sweeps them. I just think they're, they're better, especially with it being in, in Gainesville. Uh, they're going to have a bad taste in their mouths. That's the way that the Louisiana series went. The fact that they had those big leads in those games, I got to be kind of thinking the way Alabama's thinking we outplayed them and they, and we lost the game. We got to figure that out. And I think they'll come in and give and hopefully the experiments in the pitching lab will come out a little bit better this weekend. And uh, you, I don't think you have to be as sharp to defeat Auburn as you did to have to beat Louisiana. But I keep going back to those Amber Pfizer numbers against the Tigers. And I think Auburn's going to steal one somewhere. That would be very Auburn of them, right? It, it and, would be. And I think they've got the pitching to put together one performance against the Gators that would shut down that pretty good yeah. offense. An offense that's really done well to start the year. And you got to think, and the rest of the conference is hoping for a 2 1. Yeah. You know? Right. You can't, you, you don't want some of these good teams to be getting sweeps early right. and building that lead. So I'm taking Florida 2 1. Okay. All right. South Carolina at Georgia. All right, you go first on this one. Yeah, I'm going to say Georgia 2-1 just because I think South Carolina's offense is good enough to hit the Georgia pitching. And we've talked a lot about the Bulldog struggles in the circle. Mary Wilson Avan is going to have a really impressive weekend, but I'm not sure the rest of the staff will be able to help out if she runs into any trouble or the game that she probably won't start in the middle. I still think Georgia wins the series, though, because... South Carolina is throwing their three, four, five out there trying to win right. on the road. So Georgia's going to win the series two out of three. I agree. I'm going to go Georgia two out of three as well. And I, I think it's a lot of it because again, it's going to be home. I think Georgia is going to be able to hold down that South Carolina offense. I think the fact that you're picking South Carolina to win one, despite not having their top two pitchers, is kind of a testament to South Carolina. Yeah, it is. Uh, so I, I think they avoid the sweep. Ole Miss at Missouri. It's hard. <laughs> Let's pick this. Pick the two teams that are the most crazy that you possibly can. Sure, Texas A&M doesn't want to get involved in this. this oh, they're next. This, oh, good. Just wait. Right. <laughs> uh, so it's Ole Miss at Missouri. Is Correct. what you're telling me. Yes. I'm going to say in a little bit of an upset. Ole Miss wins two out of three. Wow, Molly Jacobson. A little bit of Molly Jacobson again. I think they've kind of righted the ship at Ole Miss. They've gotten some more confidence. They've gotten past the. Uh, the issue with Cal Baptist, uh, which is always important. And, and Missouri just, you know, again, up and down, up and down pitched by committee. I'm, I'm going to give it to Ole Miss. Wow. All right. I'm going to take Missouri to one safe pick. I think. Yeah. I think Molly gets a game, you know, it's going to be cold up there. Yeah. We'll see how Ole Miss handles that. I, I think Missouri is not going to get swept, obviously. And I don't think they're going to get the sweep because, again, they're volatile. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be one game where the pitching combination that Larissa Anderson throws out there just doesn't work. And Ole Miss, who was able to put up eight runs on Oklahoma State, is able to score on Missouri. So I think Missouri does get two out of three. Okay. How about more enigmas? Texas right. A&M at Kentucky. Wow. Am I first? You are first on this oh, one. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> Kentucky with the sweep. Wow. Yeah. And I don't like the pick at all because – there's this nagging feeling inside that Herzog is going to get a game and she's, she's hitting really well too at the top of the order. And that offense is going to find a way to steal one when autumn Humes has an off day. But I keep thinking of how Kentucky started last year. 
they started conference play with two straight sweeps. Yeah. And they always kind of just jump right out of the gates. It mm. doesn't typically lead to anything, but they always start out hot. I'm going to predict that to happen. I think Kentucky sweeps A&M. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to say that A&M does steal one. So I'm going to go Kentucky two one because the reason that you said, I think, you know, Herzog is going to be able to, I think again, she's made more of an impact at the plate than she has even in the circle for them. It might be because of what she does offensively. That it's going to be a shootout type game that Kentucky, that Texas A&M will, you know, maybe win an eight, nine inning type game. One more. Mm-hmm. Arkansas at Alabama. Now, uh, we will preface this for anyone new here. All right. Last year, we tried this, and we got every single Alabama series wrong. Now, not to say, you know, we projected Alabama to win and we're wrong. No, we, right. we got a lot of those right, but we would say Alabama will sweep, and they'd win two out of three, or Alabama will win two out of three, and they lost two out of three, right? or just something along those lines. So Donna Dykes came up to us. Right. One night at Rhodes and said, gentlemen, stop picking Alabama. And we did. And things went well. <laughs> said they did. exactly. But it is a new year. It's a new year. So are we curses? Tom, you get to lead the charge. Wow. What do you think? I am going to begin our picking segments with Alabama by saying we are no longer a curse. I think so, too. I'm, I'm, I think we should pick legitimately what we think is going to happen. We'll see if we need to adjust that as the season <laughs> goes along. Uh, that being said, I think Alabama is going to win two out of three against Arkansas. Overall, I think Alabama is good enough to sweep Arkansas. Need to see more consistent play overall from everybody. I would like to see, especially if it's a Lexa Kilfoyle game, her pitch a good seventh inning. Once I see that, once I see Alabama finish off a game that they have to play all seven innings against a quality team, Arkansas is still a quality team. Uh, they may be middle to lower middle of the pack in the conference, but I still think they're a good team. If Alabama can play a good seventh inning, finish a game off, then I'll, then I'll be more apt to pick sweeps later on. But right now, I'm going to say two out of three. Everything you just said, right on. I will only pick one Alabama sweep at this point, and that would be sweeping Auburn at home. Because, I mean, come on. Yes. Yeah. That's going to happen. But <laughs> I, I got to see it. I got to see if Alabama can actually sweep someone before I pick Alabama to sweep anyone. Yeah. So we'll see if that happens this weekend. I agree with you. Bama 2-1. Okay. There we go. Wow. Those are our SEC picks. Only, only some, a couple disagreements. Right. So we are going to be watching with extra interest to see if one, if Florida can finish the sweep at Auburn or then, against Auburn. And then Missouri Ole Miss is Missouri Ole Miss. huge. It's rare that we not, we, we sometimes disagree on the number of games. So it's rare that we disagree on who wins the series overall. So that'll be fun. This will be exciting. Yes. When we did the Cooks Pest Control score. Well, when you did the Cooks Pest Control <laughs> right, score. Exactly. Because someone has got to go do TV. Just knock on the window and laugh at me. <laughs> and I'll know what that means. That means. I will first do that during, you know, in the middle of the second inning. Uh, once again, win taco hot sauce. I am three and seven. Man, I'm four and six and I feel good because no one is. It has been a struggle for a lot of us in the press box with taco hot sauce. It's almost like. Taco hot sauce is a microcosm of what college softball has right. been this year. Yes. <laughs> there have been really good games. There have been big blowouts. There have been travesty and mockeries of the entire race been made. It's, the whole thing has happened just like softball as a whole. Shout out to Montana Fouts recognizing the importance of taco hot sauce in her reflection tweet of Sunday. <laughs> yes. That, that was about, of everything that she saw. That was what she needed to tweet about the most taco yes. hot sauce. Yes. Speaking of tweets. Oh, no. And Facebook comments and other message boards. Oh, folks, thank you. 
Thank you for losing your minds again. No. Now, to be fair, we're not going to get, we have not been rosy in this podcast. No. You know, we recognize there are things that need to be changed, but we ain't jumping off the cliff. The boat is not sinking. There is no life preserver to be had because there is no need for one. No. And some of you folks think that's the case. And it's time to call a couple of you out. Mm. Tom, it's time for Off the Wall. Please lead the charge. Okay. Well, uh, I think my first one will have to be from someone who still has somehow a top fan badge on uh, on the <laughs> Alabama softball uh, Facebook account. She is discussing the pitching situation for Alabama and how the issues come in the seventh inning. Again, something we have discussed. Yes. It is certainly an issue. It is a thing. She is advocating, ladies and gentlemen, that we should have brought in April to pitch that seventh inning. Ah, yes, April. April. Uh, let me check the roster. Checks notes. Don't see an April anywhere on that roster. Now, Lexi, Montana, Crystal, Sarah. No, there's no April there. No, there's not even April on a like a position player that thought maybe she was a secret high school pitcher that <laughs> we were going to throw her out there. How are you a top fan of the softball team and don't know the players? Is there an April on staff? I know. Is there an April working at all at the University of Alabama? Maybe <laughs> I, in an academic I, building? I'm. I don't know of anyone connected with Alabama softball named April. I am literally racking my brain right now, and I don't know. It's not even the month of April. No. And to say that as though everyone else should know who April is, not a last name, nothing like that. The comment was, we should have brought somebody in April, for instance. <laughs> sure. Send her in. All right. Here or, comes the ghost of the month of <laughs> April. See how she does. Right. I don't know if maybe saying maybe we should wait until April to pitch somebody. <laughs> I don't know. But it wasn't a good comment. No. And and again, what was everybody crucifying Patrick Murphy and the Alabama softball staff and program for doing the first week? Taking out Montana Take, Fouts. Taking, and putting the closer in. But now, oh my gosh. As That's soon as she gave right. up that hit, we should have we should have taken her out. Should have known. We can't we can't allow anyone to try to work themselves out of a jam or anything. No. Also, on uh we sometimes on the Crimson Tide Sports Network, we will do pregame preview videos on the on the Facebook page for the Crimson Tide Sports Network. And we did one on Saturday from the new fan plaza down the first baseline, new concession stands there as well. You know, you got bathrooms, a new gate for people coming in the brickyard, all sorts of cool stuff. All that's happening there. So we do our video from there to, to show that off, talk about the road dog, things of that nature. And uh, six six seconds into the video, someone says, SMH, shaking their head. Just can't just can't believe this video is happening. What did we do wrong? You know, that person's featured in mine as oh, well. Oh, I'm sorry. I apologize. No, no, but it's okay. It's not not that. Oh, okay. That shows how this person's a little off the wall. Oh, okay. Th- this human being. I didn't realize it was the same person. Oh, no, it is. This okay. human being was also on last year's document, I think, four times. Oh, wow. Count earlier. Okay. And she's still around somehow. What did we do? We're previewing the game. Like We weren't even... I, we were six seconds in. We should stop slouching, apparently. I don't uh, know. Uh, we were wearing sunglasses. I don't like sunny. that I was smiling while you were right. talking. It's uh, yeah. Weird. People being off the wall. Is that it? Do you have any more? That, those are the, the main ones I can think of right now. I'm going to see if you have any others and we'll see. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to be kind of a smart A 
with this first <laughs> one. Somebody commented Bama's about to play themselves out of any chance to host any postseason tournaments. That's not true. The SEC tournament's coming to Rhodes. Nah. Think before you send. No matter what happens. I know what you mean, but, you know, be a little bit more careful. Do you really think Alabama's not at least hosting regionals at this point? No. It's Is Alabama. That, really? Come on. It's Alabama. All right, this one. That locker room was the worst idea before an upcoming season. Should have known complacency would be an automatic. So <laughs> Alabama I had not seen that one. Oh, is wow. one in six against ranked teams because checks comment once again. They refurbished a locker room and clubhouse. Right. That's the reason Alabama is off to a slower start than expected. Because what I've always said is, you know what really breeds success Terrible facilities. <laughs> That's what I've always thought. But instead, no, it's apparently the way around. I mean, seriously, the locker room's the problem. That's it, Tom. It's the locker room. What have we been doing? It's not like the LSU football locker rooms where they have literally beds in their lockers <laughs> that they can pull out. It's just they. It's it's a nicer looking locker room. It's, it's really not that different, frankly. Yeah. They just upped the ante a sure. bit with some of the decorations and lights yeah. and whatnot. It's really nice. I'm not, you know, not, oh, yeah. not downplaying at all. It was really cool and it was a needed refurbishment. Absolutely. But that's what it was. It was a refurbishment. Right. We didn't build a new clubhouse. No. We just made some changes in there. I have more. Oh, Are good. you ready? Good. Okay. I so don't want to do this segment. I know. I don't want to have to do this segment. I'm I and I will make a promise to all of you listeners out there. As many of you know, this will probably be my final year alongside Tom and doing this podcast and calling games. The end of the year we might have to say some names. I might have to oh, as wow. I ride off into the <laughs> distance. I won't make you do it. Oh, thank you. Appreciate yes, it. I, we need to keep some bridges intact for you. <laughs> okay, here we go. Don't burn bridges is what Patrick Murphy says. No, so the person that i referenced earlier uh-huh. be lucky to end up with a winning record that's after the first arizona game wow i mean what a <laughs> and was not good last year went 27 26 and even right. though they went that or i think they were one game maybe two games over 500 at the end of the conference tournament but they still made the ncaa tournament right. so well, Ole miss started this year at one and eight and i think they have a shot at being over 500 they're 11 year. and 10 now right people but hey you lose to a top five team in some of the polls and oh my gosh right this guy is falling all right how about this one we gave up a three-run homer on lexi kilfoyle's 250th pitch the first one that the first bad pitch he thrown i've got i've got two more that kind of get me a little fired up so we'll see how this goes okay all right time for murphy to go plus these girls have no heart it's going to be a long season get out of here absolutely get the heck out of here Right. These girls have no heart. Are you kidding me? Did you watch those games? Yeah. Did you see the devastated look on their faces when that game ended? We know these people. I talked with many of them after the game. They were PO'd, but they have no heart. And I'm sorry, you think you can tell that based on a single cam stream? <laughs> or if you were in attendance, oh, congrats. Right. You were there to witness it happen, but then you walked out on your merry way, probably at the end of the top of the seventh inning. Right. But because you saw it on your little tablet or your Samsung and you think you've got it all figured out, stop. Right. If, uh, have you talked to the girls? Okay. If they told you they have no heart, then fine. Type it up. But if that's just your take, get out of here. You can't, you can't pretend to know these people and make comments like you do. 
and think that won't be retaliated against. I just, I, I don't understand this. The general thought process of thinking you can tell what someone is thinking or feeling from watching them play. I've never, I've never understood that, no. you know, positively or negatively. You know, I've seen teams that, you know, if you talk to the players, the buy-in, the passion might not be there, but they're just so much more talented. They still get, they still win. Right. I've seen that a lot more uh, than I'd even like to care to talk about. But the lack of a heart is not an issue for Alabama softball. I don't think it's a lack of a, an issue for any collegiate softball player. Again, it's it's not like, you know, this this is the pinnacle of any of pretty much everyone's 99% of all college softball players. The pinnacle is playing college softball. Right. You know, the less in- than 15 make Team USA. Right. I think it might be right at 15 actually. Right. You got Team USA, you got the MPF which a small percentage want even want to play in. Right. You know, all all these kids, that's what we're talking about with Seniors Day and things like that. These kids are going on to being teachers and uh, going to be professors and engineers and working at Pepsi. Right. And Reagan whatnot. Dykes is already running Pepsi. And I mean, there's all <laughs> sorts of stuff that's happening. The The pinnacle of their softball playing career is playing for college is playing college softball. These kids is for playing at the university of Alabama. You think they don't care. You think they're not having a lot of passion behind what they're doing. You don't think it, do, it doesn't hurt them when they lose a game or that they don't have ultimate joy when they win a game. I mean, get out of here, get out of here, get out of here with that. Yeah. Finally, I'm going to defend our friend. I'm going to defend past guest on the Out of the Box podcast, Stephanie Van Brakel Prothro. <laughs> Fellow lover of Good Bull Barbecue's oh, potato salad. She loved her birthday present. Oh, it was so good. Oh, yes. I, I appreciate that. Salad, I appreciate it, but I know that that was work to keep it refrigerated so it we didn't get food poisoning and all like that stuff. So we appreciate it. And Thank you're you very still much. alive now. So yes, I know everything's I did a good fine. Job. Yes, yes. Yeah, and by the way, quick shout out to Roy May and our friends at Good Bull for. Their hard work and yes. for all the various new things they put on the menu that I got to try, oh, which is great. Can't wait to go back. So this woman, this woman, I thought her name was Karen. It's not, but it would have been funny if it was named Karen. <laughs> Dude, aren't they all named Karen? Basically. I'm a Bama softball fan, but I think we need to get a new coach that can call the right pitches. Stephanie just isn't getting it done. With two outs, whatever pitch she called shouldn't have been called for Arizona to hit that home run what, to win the game. What Let's in, get it together. What insights. <laughs> wow. You know, we've been telling Steph for years to stop calling the home run pitch. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. So as though Stephanie Van Branco Prothro looked at her pitching chart. All right. Which one is the fatty over the middle? Let's call that one. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that wasn't the pitch that was called. No, no. <sighs> and if, okay, these same people, I'm sure were the ones thinking, wow, look at our pitching staff last year. Now there have been some issues this year, a couple times, some nerves, whatnot, but yeah, you know, the same pitching coach this year is the one that was so dynamic right. last year and yeah. had three pitchers that all should have been all Americans. Yeah. Let's get, she's not getting it done, Tom. Yeah. Because she called a pitch. That was left right over the middle right. on purpose for sure. Yeah, I'm sure that's exactly the pitch that was called. Uh, and let's also get, while we're at it, let's let's get rid of the Hall of Fame head coach. Yeah. Right. Let's get rid of Allison Habits, the quote cheerleader at first base, as if she didn't literally play professional baseball <laughs> right. and knows the sport inside and out. Yeah. Isn't one of literally the best motivators I've ever seen. Oh my gosh. I want to run through a freaking brick wall every time she speaks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the answer. Let's get rid of all these people. And here's another thing I would like to, I would like to ask everyone say 
Greg Byrne got a wild hair and did that. Said, get out of here, yeah. all, all, everybody with Alabama softball. Who you getting? Who you want? Who is that person out there that, you know, if they were at Alabama, the Tide would be winning every national championship there's ever been? Who Who is that person that's out there right now? Obviously, you have to hire Kelly I or, or Patty Gasso. Because they're looking to leave where they're at. Yeah. I mean, come on. Get out of here. Also... Just, again, further defending staff before we round out this off the mm-hmm. wall that really has been necessary for some of you folks. If you're at the game right. and you scream audibly for all to hear, we need a new pitching coach, and say someone who is associated with his pitching coach comes over and says, hey, what makes you think you can say that? You want to go try and do better out there? Your response should not be, I can't, I'm not a coach. Right. Get out of here with that. That's a terrible response. My sister could come up with a better comeback than that. Right. A, she's in a, you know, she's a college girl, so she's quick-witted, but this sure. person was not prepared. Not quick-witted, I don't know no, that much. No, not quick-witted at all. Uh, no, and that's no no need for that to begin with. Right. It is a stupid situation for for to ever come to that. Of course. Why, if you are a Alabama fan, probably a season ticket holder that comes to most of the games... Do you feel the need after Alabama literally has their heart ripped out at the end of a game to make your opinion voiced anyway, period, is uh, is beyond me. If you felt bad, those players and coaches felt 10 times worse than you did. Yeah. We felt like we got punched in the gut, at least mine, because oh, yeah, but my paychecks is, is the same regardless of what happens in the game. Right. I've totally bought into the program. I love it. I want Alabama to win every game, but it doesn't affect me like it affects those people on the team. I promise you, if you're a pl- if you're a fan, it doesn't hurt you as much as it hurts them if, if they lose. And and people need to keep that in consideration before they either decide this time I need to tell them somewhat to their face or you know hide behind a keyboard and say things. You know, if this person, I doubt he listens. I don't think he has access to podcast apps. But if <laughs> you don't think this person has the no. internet, I mean, come on, right? Like, why you gotta do this? Why why? Why do we have to do the off the wall segment? Because of people like that. Exactly. We got to keep some of you folks in check. And again, as we always say, 99.95% of Alabama fans are great, but the crazies are really coming out this year, Tom. Well, of course, because they have their opportunity now. They did. They didn't have as much of an opportunity last year when Alabama was 60 and 10, won the SEC by four games and, you know, finished third in the the nation. This used to be like an eight minute segment, right? It's not happening anymore because we're getting too much material from you folks. (sighs) As Aaron Rodgers so eloquently put it a few years ago, relax, R-E-L-A-X. Please don't make us do this segment right. anymore. Just enjoy the game. Yeah, and you know what? Don't say we need more hits if you, you win 4 nothing or 3-2. Right. Hello, it's a W. Who right. cares? Yeah, and you know that's the way sometimes the game goes. Again, ebbs and flows. I can't. We can't go over all this again. We've. You're, it's the same message. Stop saying dumb crap. It's impossible to win every game 10 nothing. Yeah. I wa- it would be great. But it's not going to happen. No one is going to do that. UCLA was down 5 nothing to Weber State. <laughs> that, now that is off the wall. Right. But that's also the end of the segment. Let's sign off. All right. Tom, if, if people want to find you possibly entertaining some Twitter fodder with some <laughs> of the idiots, where uh, can people go to do that? Yeah, I try again, try not to block you because they come after me sometimes. But uh, at T Canterbury RTR, T Canterbury C A N T E R B U R Y R T R. 
and uh, we'll get you all sorts of fun stuff there on the Twitter. Yeah, and then follow me at Gray underscore Robertson, G-R-A-Y underscore Robertson, or follow the show at Out of the Box underscore Pod. We're tweeting out stats, GoPro videos. I know. It's really good work. In, interactions with the athletic director at Alabama. Yes, Greg Byrne coming in and trying not to get the coronavirus <laughs> yes. just pumping us. <laughs> it's really, really it good is. health consciousness That's, by our athletic director. I like it, yes. And Tom, if people want to listen to you this weekend, where can they find you? If you are in town, if you are listening to us over the air, you can go to 93.3 FM. Uh, And if you're listening to the stream, I think the best way to get it, you can either download the Praise 93.3 app or go to RollTide.com and click on the schedule. And there's a Listen Live link on every game. Just click on that and you can listen in. Uh, We have every game for you. Thank you to Michelle Smith. (laughs) For joining us, and we'll have her back sometime soon as we wrap up this episode of the Out of the Box podcast. Tom, it's another really big week for Alabama. Starting Wednesday, we hope at six Central Time against Alcorn State, and then we got conference play against the Arkansas Razorbacks. Yeah, again, as we said, hopefully everyone can kind of hit the reset button. The second season gets going, and I expect the tide will come out uh, guns ablazing against the Razorbacks. Absolutely, you're taking care of the radio side on the Crimson Tide Sports Network, as we mentioned. I am journeying next door through a pane mm. of glass, doing TV all week on SEC Network Plus with Sydney Little John Watkins. So no GoPro footage, but we will be back together soon. Looking forward to it. Hopefully, yeah. As always, thank you, loyal listeners, for your continued support. A lot of you learned about us this past week watching the Arizona Alabama UTA Alabama and McNeese Alabama games and we are really really appreciative of your support absolutely yeah for my partner Tom Canterbury I'm Gray Robertson we'll see you this weekend at the Rhodes House and next time on Out of the Box